0: Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for April 3rd, 2013. My name is Tom Shick. My game of the week is not Lego City Undercover.
1: And I'm uh, Michael Flatley, and my game of the week is not Bioshock Infinite.
2: (laughs) Uh, This is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Day of the Tentacle.
0: Oh, that's so sad for you to do that today. (laughs) But before we get into the day's uh, news, the week's news, there's quite a bit, Um, real quick public service announcement. Uh, there's a new Tom vs. Bruce in progress right now. Uh, we played a solitaire board game, <laughs> which is a, an odd choice for a competitive uh, game diary structure like we do. Uh, but we're each playing a game called Nemo's War, uh, which is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea board game. Uh, Bruce and I both are very fond of it, uh, and we're playing simultaneously. One of us is a better Nemo than the other. Uh, so uh, check out Tom vs. Bruce when you get a chance, see how that's coming along. Uh, so this week, we have all been playing Bioshock Infinite. Uh, Nick, you and I have, have finished it, correct? You got to the end, right, Nick? That is correct. McMaster, you are kind of lagging behind, I understand, because you've probably got a lot of World of Warcraft to do. Oh, you have to. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what we're going to do, what we specifically want to talk about is not necessarily... Bioshock Infinite, whether we liked it, didn't like it, that stuff. But how much of the marketing for Bioshock Infinite screws up the experience and, in fact, does it? Uh, we'll, we'll find out so, so we want to let you know before we get into this discussion, we're not going to spoil the ending or anything, but we are going to spoil things that the marketing has spoiled. If you've seen the trailers if you've listened to Ken Levine talk if you've even read reviews most reviews, you're going to know the stuff that we're talking about so you don't need to fast forward if however you were like me and you came to Bioshock Infinite with a blank slate, you didn't follow any of that stuff, you might not want to listen to this conversation uh, so at this point, Tom Chick from the future is going to arrive and he's going to tell you how far to fast forward to avoid Bioshock spoilers. Tom, Tom Chick from the future, take it away. Hello, this is Tom Chick from the future telling you that if you want to avoid Bioshock infinite spoilers, jump to the 17 minute mark. What the? My nose is bleeding. Okay, so now that you know that, this is now, there's going to be spoilers about the first part of the game. McMaster, why don't you uh, tell us where you are in the game, and uh, wh- wh- how far into it are you, McMaster? What's going on in your playthrough of Bioshock Infinite? Uh,
1: do you want me to go through, like, how I got to this point, or do you want me to just tell you where I'm at? Because, like, I can do either.
0: Well, basically, uh, uh, I think the pertinent point is you haven't met Elizabeth yet, Correct. Correct. I'm on Monument Island, or right before I meet Elizabeth. Okay, so she's waiting for you. Uh, yes. One of the things we want to talk about is, is stuff you're about to experience in the next, you know, 30 minutes or so. So, McMaster, you've, you've sort of volunteered. You are, uh, you're going to let us spoil some of that for you. Um, but let me ask you this, McMaster. Having now seen the trailer, uh, do you feel that anything in the trailer spoiled? Anything that's waiting for you in the game. Because we had you go and watch that trailer just now. Did it did it seem like it spoiled anything for you?
1: Uh yeah. I mean it's like a two minute trailer from like a few weeks ago is it was, it was the one I watched. And uh it has stuff about what they call tear. Uh and yeah, there's all sorts of like crazy it looks like dimension shifting stuff.
0: hmm And you wouldn't know that's there. Based on where you are in the game right now. No, I had no, I had no earthly idea. In fact,
1: I hadn't seen the trailers either. So yeah, I was kind of surprised to me.
0: So Nick, did you watch trailers? And you, you're really good. And actually, you're doing a great job with us on on the front page. You're really good with following uh, game buzz and and uh, and, and previews and, and press coverage and stuff. I presume you saw a bunch of this stuff before you played Bioshock Infinite, right?
2: Yes, yes, I did. I saw the uh that initial reveal uh that was e three a while ago, two years ago i guess um, and then you know everything that's basically come out in between until launch
0: and how did you feel about uh how did it affect the experience of actually playing through for you if at all
2: um well i it, so I think, you know, there's a fine line in marketing. uh, Obviously, you have to get people interested in your product and get them hyped up for it. I don't know how much of that was necessary for Bioshock Infinite, considering how well-received Bioshock and Bioshock 2 Mm. were. Um, I, I do feel like the... Uh, all the stuff they showed, especially that really long, you know, gameplay walkthrough with the, with the dying horse and the, the glimpse of Paris and everything. um I, I really feel like it spoiled a lot. I, I feel when I, when I first played the game, my initial thought was, wow, I really wish I hadn't known a thing about Elizabeth. Uh, it would have been great to have encountered her and just had that first reveal of the tear be the new thing.
0: Because I, I have to say, as someone who came to the game, I, I'm, comple- I, I'm completely irrational about spoilers. I'm this way with movies. I'm this way with games that I'm looking forward to. So the only thing I knew about Bioshock Infinite going in was that there was a floating city, and I'd seen artwork of Elizabeth. I didn't know who she was. I yeah. just figured she's someone that, that you rescue. But uh, for me, one of the most precious moments in Bioshock Infinite, and I wouldn't trade this for anything, was when you first meet Elizabeth in that containment facility. Because I don't even think they really explain what's in there. You know, there's something in there. And I thought maybe, I knew there was some kind of like big bird, and I thought maybe that was in there. But when you get in there and you see the little domestic scene laid out, and you're moving from room to room watching her uh, just go about her business, early on she opens that tear to, uh, it looks like, you know, 20th century Paris, and and that that's a mind blowing moment. Actually, 20th century is technically later 20th century Paris, I should say. Um, <laughs> and that's a mind blowing moment. And and what sealed it for me, what what really made it special for me, was how brief it was. Um, how the music was playing that Tears for Fears song, which uh I, that I mean I. That my jaw was on the floor. I was like, wait, did I just hear what I thought I just heard, and did I just see what I thought I just saw? And the thing is, if you watch the trailer and you pause it, you can see there's a marquee with Return of the Jedi on the on the marquee up there. Um, I would have hated to have known that going in. Like, I would have been robbed of such an incredible moment in the narrative if, if I'd seen that before. Um, and the thing is, even up to that point, um, you get to a point where you hear a barbershop quartet uh, early on in the game, they're on a floating platform and they're singing a, a song. Uh, I think, "Wouldn't it be nice?" Yeah, which God, is no, uh, "God only knows." Oh, God only knows. What's "Wouldn't it be nice?" Oh no, that's the opening of California Girls, right? That wouldn't be so appropriate <laughs> in, in Bioshock Infinite. Uh, "God only knows" is playing, and when I heard that. I so was completely oblivious to the marketing and the the hype and the the pre-release conversation. I was so completely oblivious that I heard that and I thought, "Oh, I didn't know the Beach Boys were doing a cover of a really old-timey rock song." I actually,
1: song. I actually thought that too. I mean, I
0: literally didn't know anything until you guys. I just watched the trailer. Yeah, and that's a great moment. Uh, and and and. and The fact that it tricked me, and I I really felt so convinced, I, I was so oblivious to the fact that there was going to be any crazy stuff like that, that it cast into doubt what I thought I knew about the Beach Boys. So that when you hear that snippet of that Tears for Fear song, that is such an incredibly powerful moment. Uh, and it just – like you said, Nick, I understand that you have to sell a game, and I understand that marketing departments have a tough time of it. But, man, do I feel that they, they rob the player of some of the magic of Bioshock Infinite by giving that moment away. Yeah. Um,
2: no, I agree. I, it's uh, it's interesting because you, you mentioned the first hair, and uh, it, it's actually a little worse if you're kind of a Star Wars nerd. Because the marquee, it's written in French, but it's very, you know, clear and easy, even if you don't speak French, to realize that it says Revenge of the Jedi. Which is, yeah.
0: you know, well, that, if title, you're a
2: Star Wars nerd, you know, well that didn't happen, there was no Revenge of the Jedi, so something fishy's going
0: on. Oh, holy cats, it's not just a time thing, it's an alternate reality thing.
2: Right, there's something. <laughs> um, and, and it's, it, you know, you mentioned the, uh, you mentioned the God Only Knows bit, and it's it's interesting because had I not known the whole Steve deal with the tears from the marketing, I think I would have thought that way. Just because I, I just happen to know that Sloop John B by the Beach Boys is a remake of a really old shanty song. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so not that unprecedented, it would have been made even. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and even something as minor, I don't I. I, I had no idea about any of this, but going back and, and listening to some of the stuff that Ken Levine has said, uh, certainly some of the marketing, a lot of the preview coverage about Columbia, uh, and how it's this, uh, this early 20th century racist, um, quasi-fanatical, well, not quasi-fanatical, fanatically religious, uh, city, I didn't know any of that. So, you know, you come hear- in. And, and early on, that's pretty clear when you see the guys at the statue of like Father Franklin and Father Jefferson, like that, that stuff. Okay, that's cool. These guys yeah. are religious weirdos, they're worshipping, uh, the founding fathers. Hey, yeah. cool. I'm on board. I
1: started to think it was maybe like some sort of, uh, oh god, uh, shr- not Shriners, but what are the other guys? The, uh, basins, Basins. <laughs> I thought, it, I thought it might be like some sort of Mason uh, conspiracy thing or
0: something. Uh, I think they would have had a completely different parade early on in the game if they <laughs> had Shriners. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to have seen that. The pezzes. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and in addition to though that, that sort of fanatical worship of the founding fathers, uh, I had no idea about the racism angle. Um, so that was a wonderful place to discover that lottery. For instance, when you when you oh. play the lottery and you and you take up a, a ball and uh, and then the guy is on stage and he's talking to to a, a woman who brings out the ball or he draws the ball and he says something to her like uh, you're, you're the prettiest
1: the prettiest white girl you've ever seen or something like that.
0: <laughs> right, he says something to her like you're the prettiest white girl in the in the fair. And and again, that was almost like uh, the Tears for Fears in through that tear. I was like, wait, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Why did he say that? That's weird. And it kind of, I was like, oh, okay, I, maybe I just misheard it and he said something else. But then when the mixed race couple comes out and you realize what's going on, again, what an incredibly powerful moment that is completely ruined, or that, that, that not, I don't know about completely ruined, but that's robbed a lot of its, imp, of its impact if you have heard before that Columbia has this racist angle to it. Uh, I so appreciated being able to discover that and the shock that I felt. Um, you, you know, there's that weird caricature like monkey Negro in the in the backdrop, and then the, the mixed race couple comes out, and you realize they're going to basically stone them with baseballs. Um, what an amazingly powerful moment that uh, I just felt privileged to to enjoy because I hadn't seen any of this stuff beforehand.
1: Well, yeah, like uh, for instance, the only thing I think I'd seen um, was the initial short reveal, which was. I believe it was Booker, like falling or something like that. He sees Elizabeth, and there's like a rose and some stuff. This, that was like a really long time ago. Um, and so, really, all I knew about it was I think that the handyman was in it, and uh, he had to get Elizabeth. And so, yeah, it was kind of a it was a big surprise to me. And if you notice, Tom, like a bunch of the fair games and everything are based on the uh, the uh, I guess the opposition. The uh, you know like you have to kill Vox or something or whatever her name is right
0: the- yeah well Vox popularized the group and uh, Daisy Fitzroy I-, I guess this is you haven't gotten there yet but yeah they they do layer some of that um, revolutionary struggle which is also a part of the Rapture games I mean you could see that in the in the world of Rapture uh, yeah. so that wasn't necessarily as unexpected as, as the racism angle um, and and that's the thing is they do such a great job of creating. The the world that's imagined and created here is a a world I really want to discover on the storyteller's terms and not on the terms of people trying to sell me the game. Uh, And and that's how I feel about good movies and that's increasingly how I feel about video games. uh, Is, you know what? I I don't care about you trying to sell me the game. Uh, Shut up. I'm not going to listen to you. I don't want to read previews. There are certain games that I just want to discover on the storyteller's terms. And I, I was just, I felt so grateful that I got to. To experience that with with Bioshock Infinite, Um, uh, I'm glad
1: you ruined it for me.
0: Way to go! (laughs) You're such a slowpoke. Okay, tell me what happened with you guys at the uh, at the baseball throwing. Nick, who did you throw the baseball at?
2: Uh, Tried to throw it at the 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 Barker.
1: Yeah, I did too. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's just a knee jerk reaction for me.
0: Uh, I. Was I, I felt the same way. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to beam the daylights out of that Barker guy. And I was so intent on doing it, and I'm so conditioned by games I play, that I squeezed the left trigger to aim very carefully at him. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> and with horror realized, holy cats, I just tried to stone a mixed-race couple with a baseball. <laughs> You're well,
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah.
0: Oh, that was, that was terrible. Um uh, what are some other examples? Can you guys think of other examples where you feel the, the storytelling or the, the impact of the narrative might have been violated by marketing you saw beforehand?
2: Uh, for me, uh, one of the one of the moments that kind of stood out was the um, there, there's a big moment where, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to spoil this for Jason, but uh, there's kind of a, a museum display sort of uh interactive walkthrough area uh where they talk about uh some of the battles that have happened before Colombia, uh one of them being wounded knee. And I remember this in some of the marketing because this was this was kind of touching on the whole, hey, there's a huge racism problem in Colombia, but you know, that was one of the that's what happened during those times, yuck yuck. And I really wish I hadn't seen that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there's just so, it's it's such a dilemma, uh, and I, I agree with what you said earlier, Nick. Uh, they had so much PR buzz and and goodwill uh, and just game design cachet they could have used with the previous Bioshock games uh, without having to reveal specifics. Uh, and I'm really curious, you know, the guys who made the game, like Kim Levine and the other folks. I would love to know how they feel about the, fa- about the marketing. Like, do they kind of see it as a necessary evil and they're just resigned to it? Uh, was there any push-pull there? I, I don't know. I'd-, I'd love to know more about that. Um, yeah. uh, other games can-, can you guys think of? Uh, here's, a- here's an example from way back in the, in the 20th century. Same (laughs) century as uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, so when StarCraft came out, uh, I'm a huge fan of real-time strategy games, but I don't, I'm not into campaigns as much as I am skirmishing and multiplayer. So when StarCraft came out, uh, I certainly played through some of the missions, and then I basically was just playing the skirmish and playing online, and that was how I enjoyed StarCraft when it came out. Uh, Back in those, in those days, Blizzard used to work relatively quickly, because it was the same year that StarCraft came out. I think it was only six months later that Brood Wars, or Brood War, I forget, the add-on was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember talking to someone in PR at Blizzard uh, about Brood War, and she said something about, uh, yeah, in this new one, it's about the Zerg, and uh, you play the villain of the game. I was like, "Oh, the villain of the game. Who's that?" And she said, "Yeah, you you play the villain. Uh, her name is Kerrigan. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <Barbers>. "What?" <laughs> uh, so I, I really hated having that spoiled for me. <laughs> <Barbers>. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, I don't, I don't remember how cagey Ubisoft was about the animus conceit with, uh, Assassin's Creed, the very first one. But I, I seem to recall yeah. that Kristen Bell, who did some of the voice acting, in some interview, I think she spoiled the whole she idea. Did. She did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so not just the marketing, but the freaking celebrity. Celebrities are notoriously loose-lipped anyway.
1: Uh, yeah, she, uh, Sheila, it was in like the Today Show or something like that, if I remember correctly. It was like some interview, like right before the game came out. And, uh, there had been, like, stuff in the trailers and everything that was, like, kind of, you know, weird, but not, like, spoiled.
0: Yeah, I think she just merrily babbled on and explained the whole sci-fi conceit. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: She, she's like, yeah, you know, send him back in time
0: through his memory, his DNA. And it's like, oh, okay, good. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I feel that, uh, in Brutal Legend, which uh, has one of my favorite moments in video gaming storytelling. Uh, if you jump straight to the multiplayer in Brutal Legend, one of the factions is called Drowning Doom. If you play <laughs> Drowning Doom, that faction, yeah. you spoil one of the coolest things in the single-player game. That's not a marketing deal, but uh, that's one of those deals. Like, I- I'm constantly, like, when I get a game I really like... Before I touch the multiplayer, I think, well, maybe I should play the single player first. You know, maybe it's going to reveal stuff gradually. And If I just jump the multiplayer, it's going to dump it all in my lap and ruin all the surprises. I feel that's definitely true of Little Legend.
2: I don't know about marketing, but I always felt like uh, Space Pirates and Zombies really could have left off that Oh, please, br-
0: name. Please <laughs> bring that up, Nick. Yeah, no, definitely bring that that's up. That's
1: a very good point, yeah. Yeah, bring
0: that up. I agree. Let me get to my notes here. All right, so we will go in three, two, uh, another example uh, that I always felt I, w- I was glad I didn't see much of the marketing although I did see some of the marketing uh, Saints Row the Third they do all kinds of like crazy over the top stuff, and some of the single player missions really fold in some cool set pieces, and a lot of that they show in the trailer, which I can understand yeah. they're selling the game, they want to show you the coolest, craziest stuff to get you to buy it, but I always enjoyed discovering that on my own rather than seeing it in the trailer
2: yeah. Yeah, my uh, my pick would have to be uh, space pirates and zombies. Um, I, I, obviously, the spoilers right there in the name. But there's um, pirates? Yeah, pirates. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, even if even if you didn't pay much attention to the name, the, the marketing, the the YouTube videos and whatnot that came out. Um, that, wow, they really spoiled the the turn that happens in the game.
0: And that's something, by the way, Nick, that I have always wanted in a video game, is the, a zombie apocalypse that you don't see coming. And there's really no way you could do that. But I, I would just love for a game to be playing like a GTA V or something, and you think, oh, it's about a crime family, and oh, you've got to steal diamonds in this mission, and then suddenly zombies come, take over the world. Like, I think that would be such an awesome way to create just the overall structure of a game Space Pirates and Zombies did that, but it kind of uh, is robbed of the surprise, because there it is in the title. Yeah. yeah.
1: They just wanted to go for spaz. I mean, come on.
0: That's <laughs> true. You can't beat that up. <laughs> yeah. and, and to be fair, an indie like like that, uh like, if they had just come out as Space Pirates, I, I mean, an indie has such a tougher time of it. It's like you mentioned before, Nick, with 2K and Bioshock, they've got so much they can play with already for their PR, um, but guys like the the, the two fellows who did Space Pirates and Zombies, they got nothing. They're starting from the ground up, and they, they need a hook. Um, so, by the way, when we get to games of the week, my, my game of the week, boy, does it have a hook. Uh, it, it's one of those things where like they, well, I'll talk about it, but they've got this great hook as an indie game. And I I just wish that they would just let the hook sit and not say anything else about the game. So they're another example of a game that I'm so glad that I knew nothing about. Uh, And we'll get into that uh, for for Games of the Week. Uh, All right, so speaking of Games of the Week, Nick, since you haven't been with us for a while, I'm going to put, I'm going to give you some power. And I want you to remember, Nick, what Spider-Man said. Power corrupts you absolutely, and be nice. responsible. And be responsible with your power. Spider Man added that as well. Drink your milk and your Ovaltine. Exactly. So, uh, so Nick, you are in charge of deciding who is going first, second, and third with news of the week. Take it away. Oh, I got to hear this, Tom. My news of the week. Oh, did you pick me, or did you just like saying my name?
2: I, I, I'm picking you.
0: Okay. Why you don't like saying my name? Well, no, your name does roll off the tongue. <laughs> it does. You know, that's true of all of us. Like Nick McMaster. McMaster's really fun to say. I invite everyone to do it right now. See? Wasn't that fun? <laughs> all right. I'm going to go first with my news of the week. Uh, my news of the week, it's kind of non-news. It's one of those things that Kotaku did, that, and, and because Kotaku did it, they made it news. Um, there's a fellow over there named Jason Schreier. Uh, and he talked to some unnamed sources who are understandably unnamed because they're not going to say the things they said if they were identified. Um, and he spoke with them about friction between id, uh, the, the fellows who did Doom, and their parent company, uh, Xenomax, who most folks think of as Bethesda. Bethesda is like, like their video game publishing arm. Um, so Jason talked to, I think it was a total of four sources, uh, and Basically, uh, these sources talked about that friction. Uh, and I always feel a little dirty reading these kinds of stories when there's no info on the sources, because you have to wonder, you know, are there ulterior motives? Is this somebody who was fired? Um, but uh, the thing that if you trust the sources, if you sort of listen to what they're saying, uh, it seems like there is some friction going on there. It seems like Doom 4 is a troubled project. Uh, Xenomax is, of course... Uh, they're not They're not letting on that it's troubled. They're, they have acknowledged that it's been rebooted, um, but it is bringing up discussions about the future and the role of id software. So my news of the week is that uh, id and Xenomax are apparently butting heads about where they're going to go. How do you guys feel about this? Would you guys miss id if they went away tomorrow? McMaster, how would you feel about that?
1: Uh, I think I probably would. Because I still play all of the games. Uh,
0: so Xenomex comes out tomorrow. They say, "Hey, we're closing down ID." McMaster, is that okay with you?
1: I, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> so you put the kibosh on that?
1: Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's ring that shit in, you know.
0: <laughs> in no uncertain terms, McMaster. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about that? You you raised in a discussion about it. You 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 brought up something that Carmack said about Doom that I want you to mention here. Uh, how would you feel if id went away and, and how do you feel about them? Uh,
2: so I would probably feel the same way as I do right now about another piece of news, which I'll talk about. Um, and I hinted at that earlier. Uh, I, I guess I haven't really enjoyed many of id, ga- Id games for a while, but there's that part of me that still remembers the, you know, literally 24 to 36 hour marathon sessions of, you know, land gaming, uh, mm-hmm. with, with doom. Um, and so I'd feel really bad. I would just feel bad.
0: So is this tying into your choice for news of the week, by the way?
2: Uh, I, I believe it does.
0: So why don't you bring that up? Cause I want to fold the two discussions together and, and, and I want to explain why I feel very differently about the two things. So, uh, Nick pick your now you pick yourself for your news of the week.
2: Okay, I pick myself. How? <laughs> so, uh so my piece of news is uh is the the bombshell to many people that Disney is closing LucasArts. Uh, they will not be producing games they 've canceled the games that they had in production, which I think were two titles, one of them uh, that a few people were excited by thirteen thirteen which honestly, I had no idea what it was about when I saw uh, the video of it um, but uh, apparently it 's just going to live on as a licensing entity so yeah that 's sad to me i i I feel really bad about that. <laughs>
0: And uh, and that that's kind of seemed like it, it's been a long time coming in a way. Uh, yeah. Like LucasArts has just been languishing for for so long. Um, they've just been publishing for a while. And uh, was the last game they actually made that um, that what was that Jedi douchebag dude? What was that? Uh, <laughs> what was that one called? It's the, the dude who like force pulls the star destroyer to the planet. What the heck yeah. was that one even called? But Master, <laughs> help us out here. You know crappy games. Jedi, oh. Lord, Sith, Sith, Apprentice, Jedi. Sith guy. we so
1: are you talking about from that, that, uh, first person Jedi game that came out on no. purpose? Jedi game? Yeah, it, it was
0: third person, it's the guy Hard the to control? Sh- sh- um, yeah, he's got the shaved head, look. he's got the whole Tyler Durden kind of look going. Wait, what the hell was that thing called? I Jedi so, Apprentice. Uh, the Sith, uh, the Sith who could, the little Sith who could.
1: It was Star Wars Force dude. Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Thank Yay, you. Yes. there we go.
0: Very good, McMaster. McMaster, you Googled that, didn't you?
1: No, honestly, I didn't. I, <laughs> From the... have, I have it around here, and I was just frantically looking until I could find it. <laughs> So that's that's the original Google. Take that. <laughs>
0: From the collection of Jason McMaster. Uh, so, yeah, I sort of feel like like LucasArts has been uh, just a name for so long, and and, and Disney really does not have a lot of insight into the whole video gaming business yet. They're struggling with it. So that combination there, I know some of us hoped that maybe they would revitalize LucasArts, but uh, I just didn't really see that happening. So I'm with you, Nick, for nostalgia's sake. Uh, I'm sorry to see that go. Yeah. But but for me, the difference with id is that I I would not miss id if they were to close down uh, or be reshaped into just a tech company, I would not miss them one iota because, uh I, you know, they, they're still working. They've been working for a while. I feel that they have zero insight into the art of game design. Uh, and that's a, that's, a, that's a traditional thing that you hit them with. It's one of those tropes kind of like, oh, wait a month after a Paradox comes up, game comes out to play it. Or don't play an MMO on launch day. You know, it's one of those obvious things to say. But it's obvious for a reason. Uh, you know, Rage just had no insight into what it takes to make a good game. Um, and id flourished when tech drove good games. Mm-hmm. But now id is in a time when I feel narrative is driving good games. And they're flailing around. I don't feel they have any idea what they're doing. Uh, because tech is still important. The work that John Carmack does is still important. But yeah. it's no longer primary. You know, and as an example, I couldn't care less how good Crisis 3 looks. I, I really don't care. Um, and I think that's where its priorities uh, lie. Now, now, Nick, you mentioned something that Carmack said, and, and I think you brought this up in the context of thinking, hey, Carmack really gets doom. Uh, tell us what Carmack's quote was about what makes doom.
2: So, well, uh, apparently this is uh, some of that, you know, insider knowledge that Kotaku was talking about. Um so there was supposedly a meeting uh, in which uh, everybody at ID was told, "Look, uh, you know, Rage is a comedy of errors, and you guys uh, need to get your shit handled for uh, Doom Four. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and reboot or whatever, and uh, kind of retool whatever we've been working on." And apparently, John Carmack went to the front of the room and wrote on the whiteboard, <laughs> "Doom." is about demons and shotguns. And that was it.
0: <laughs> and Nick, how do you... So uh, I, I don't want to be too harsh on this because uh, it is just a you know brainstorming meeting. That's a lot of how great games get made. It's people just throw up ideas, they parse them. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about that assessment? I
2: think that he is correct. Yes. Uh, for... What they created, what, uh-huh. what Carmack and, you know, Hall and Romero created way back when, yes, Doom was about demons and shotguns and it was perfect, absolutely perfect for its time. Uh-huh. Uh, coming out with that game now, but with better graphics, it, you know, whatever id tech six or whatever graphics that they're going to do, uh, is a recipe for a gigantic money sink bomb.
0: <laughs> right, uh, and and also I just feel from uh, the the premise of game design of deciding what Doom is about. Like I have a lot of respect for Carmack, uh, even though I don't think the guy speaks English. Like I, when when he gets up and he does his talks at, at QuakeCon, I just have no idea what he's saying, and and it's a sign of his brilliance. Uh, and, and my lack of understanding about that part of game design, so I'm not using that to criticize him. But when he says that Doom means demons and shotguns, I think he's missing the point. Doom does not... It's not about demons and shotguns. In the olden days, when you're making a game from tech, yes, you have a creepy-looking demon, you have a shotgun that really taps into your system subwoofer, that's what Doom means. But I think the way we talk about games now, and the way that games need to be made, is no, Doom does not mean demons and shotguns. Doom means... The player is super powerful. And that's what it's all about, is having that shotgun, having that demon get blown away, and and feeling powerful. But that is such a trite observation in in terms of the, the experiences available in video games today. You know, that's the infancy of video gaming, is these power fantasies. And to use that as a premise for a Doom 4, I feel, is just completely misguided. Uh, you need to go a level deeper and say it's not demons and shotguns, it's empowering the player. Uh, and I, I just, yeah, if, if if it were to be retooled as a tech company, and that's what the Kotaku article seems to imply could be one of the outcomes of this friction, I would be totally fine with that. I wouldn't miss the folks that made Rage. I wouldn't miss them in the least if they stopped making video games. Um, so, uh, we, so uh, McMaster, you... uh uh, the, the whole news of, of Disney closing LucasArts. Uh, you mentioned to me briefly that uh, you have some particular feelings about that. Uh, what was the game that you brought up that you associate with LucasArts?
1: Well, there's two, really, but I think the main one for me is Monkey Island. But beyond that, I guess, would be, like, oddly enough, like Raiders of the Lost Star. Uh, not Raiders of the Lost Star, uh, The Last Crusade adventure game.
0: Oh, is that the one with Sophie, the redheaded chick that goes along with Indiana Jones?
1: No, that's the Atlantis one. That one's pretty. odd. Awesome. Oh,
0: yeah! I just flashed back on that. Now I'm sad. Oh, wait a minute! I want to change my answers. Yeah, see, I mean, like Lucas, Lucasfilm
1: uh, had so many great games back in the day, and you, like you, you, tend to forget about some of them. But there were there was a lot you know, that they did. A lot of games came out of that company that were uh, very uh, memorable. So it's just kind of kind of sad to see them
0: go. Because all the stuff, that uh, you know, me being a, a dick to the folks at id, like, none of that applies to LucasArts. You know, when I'm talking about games were were yeah. based on tech, you know, LucasArts, that's early on. Games were based on storytelling. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, so uh there we go. Uh McMaster, do you have some... Oh, no, sorry. Nick, you're in charge. Who's next? Well, that would be McMaster.
1: <laughs> um well, you know, I guess the only other thing I could think of that really struck me for this week, uh, well, of course, for those two stories, but uh, also, uh, Behemoth's Battle Block Theater was released today. And what? uh, What's that? I've not had a chance to play it yet, but it's Behemoth's new game, and...
0: Wait a uh, minute, Behemoth the Castle Crashers, folks?
1: Yep.
0: McMaster, why wasn't I alerted of this?
1: Because uh, it just came out of nowhere. I did not hear about it until, like, a couple of days ago, so... Well, I mean, they had been working on it forever. I just didn't know it was going to be released.
0: What? Okay, here's a question. So he, this is because it hasn't. None of the plot will be spoiled for me because I don't know any of this. But what is? What did you call it? Battle Block Theater. Uh, yeah.
1: What um, is it? it? It's like, uh, you know, what I'll just read you. I'll just read you what it says on the overview because I don't think I can encapsulate it <laughs> any better. Um, all right, Battle Block Theater, this is on the Xbox Live Marketplace. Mm-hmm. shipwrecked captured betrayed forced to perform for an audience of cats wait what you've just unlocked the door to battle block theater there's no turning back once you've started on your quest to free your imprisoned friends from evil technological cats immerse yourself in this mind-bending tale of treachery as you battle your way through hundreds of levels in order to discover the pu- discover the puzzling truth behind battle block theater
0: mm, I don't know that I'm up for a game that, that presupposes that cats are evil I don't I don't know how I feel about that
1: yeah, that is kind of rough, isn't it? <laughs> uh, supposedly the announcer's pretty good, though.
0: So I am curious about the game. Uh, what have they done since Castle Crashers? Do we know? Battle Block Theater. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's it? So Castle Crashers straight to Battle Block Theater. All right.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It took them quite a while to get this one going.
0: I wonder if it will have any cutesy, weird little uh scatological references. I'm sure it will. Because there are there are defecating deer in Castle Crashers, which always seemed a that little is, odd.
1: That is one of the most memorable levels. The <laughs> yeah. game I think I've ever played. Uh, yeah, that like the bear and everything too. Like everything is like you know shitting itself like <laughs> in the woods.
0: It yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, you see that, and the reaction is, well, that's really not what I expected.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it also really doesn't make you feel good. Like, no, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> you, can't think, you can't think that's ever a good sign. You
0: know? All right, uh, McMaster. What platforms can we play Battle Black Theater on?
1: Uh, I believe it's just Xbox Live Arcade right now.
0: What about my uh, my iPad and Steam? Um, Where are my Steam achievements, McMaster?
1: Actually, there is a uh, iPad game. It looks like, but it came out in 2011 uh, that they did.
0: Way too old for me. Yeah, yeah I know. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Behemoth's still hard at work. Good to know. Uh, yes. All right, so, Nick, you still have the conch. Who is going up for Games of the Week first?
2: Well, I'll go ahead and go first on the uh, Games of the Week. Uh, since we've cover- covered uh, a couple of depressing subjects, uh, my Game of the Week is Depression Quest. Ugh. So, now, here's the thing. Yes, it is super depressing. Um, it's a uh, free-to-play title, uh, oh. for those of you that know about it. It's, it's, it's an educational thing.
0: Oh, you're killing me. I know. Free-to-play, <laughs> educational. Alright, go on. It's, what other it's, things can you say to steer me away from ever playing this game?
2: Uh, it's a, uh, text, uh, only adventure.
0: Oh,
1: yeah, oh wow, well, you just killed Song.
2: <laughs> it, it has a few pictures. It has some incidental music, but uh, it's it's all pretty much just uh, pointing and clicking on dialogue choices uh, as you go through it. Uh, now, the only reason I pick it as my game because I, I don't know how medically accurate it is. Um, it's supposed to depict uh, the you know a few days in the life of someone with clinical depression. I, I don't know how accurate that is at all, um, but. The one thing I like about it uh and that that really kind of um stands out to me is so you will you know g- go through this story you'll read uh, a few paragraphs on each page um and then at the bottom you know it gives you the you know choose your own adventure type you know one, two, three four choices whatever mm-hmm. um so for example, there's one where you know, hey, your old school chum Amanda 's come over. Uh, and you've been depressed for a few days, You're, you you know, life crushingly uh, sad all the time. Um, but Amanda's talking to you and she starts to figure out that something is up. So she gently touches your hand, a look of genuine concern on her face and asks, what's wrong? Do you? And then one, two, three, four. It's got these choices. The first two choices are normal choices that someone without clinical depression would choose. However, what they've done is, they write them out, and then they draw a line through them, and you cannot choose them.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus.
2: That's so, terrible. So so in this example, the first choice is, well, suggest a change of location and confide in her honestly. Second choice is, test the waters and open up a little, hoping she'll understand. The game maker has those out. So you cannot choose those. You instead only have the three clinically depressed choices of insist that nothing is wrong and change the subject or defensively ask what she means by that. And finally, notice that your hands are shaking.
0: So, what happens if you pick the different thing? Is this another exercise in Uh, predetermination? Well,
2: there are different endings. I've played through it a couple times. It takes about 30, 40 minutes to play through it. Um, it, There are different endings. The answers that that you are given or allowed to choose from change depending on what you've picked before. Uh, So, for example, depending on Whether you've chosen very depressive things or more uplifting things previously, perhaps choice number two, test the waters and open up a little would be open, which you would be able to pick and then go on to something else. Oh, I like that. Okay. I, so it's interesting to me because this is not a gameplay mechanic. I think that I have seen in a, you know, free to play educational Sort of thing where it's, it, I mean, basically, this is the equivalent of the brochure you would have gotten, you know, in a <laughs> while, right? Like, this this is nothing great. It's certainly not a terrific game. But I thought it was interesting that they have that mechanic from, you know, older uh Black aisle type games where they would show you dialogue choices and then show you, ah. yeah, you pick that one because you don't have the right level of bribery or you're not right. smart enough.
0: Oh, very nice. uh, And, uh, is there a high score so that I can play it against McMaster and see which one of us is better? Which one of us mm-hmm. is more depressed? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: I believe the, uh, I believe the high score in this case is you are less depressed. You don't kill yourself. <laughs> you don't spiral into blackness at the end.
0: Uh, Nick, who made this? What do we know about the creators?
2: Uh, so the creators... Very creator? depressed. <laughs> The creator is someone named, uh, Zooey Quinn, apparently. Um, and other than that, I don't know anything else about this game other than, uh, it's free to play, but you can donate and it goes to a clinical depression, uh, charity.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. I, wow. I, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, I do love games that tackle subjects like that. Uh, I mean, that, that's certainly a brave thing to do. Is this getting much, uh, attention, for lack of a better word, like does, does it seem like Miss Quinn is is getting the word out about this? Uh, from
2: what I can tell, I, I did a cursory look at some uh, clinical depression type sites, uh, and apparently it's the hot thing for them. <laughs> I, I don't know how enthusiastic people get on those sites, but uh, it's getting some play, and apparently there's some notice as far as yeah, this is accurate, and this is exactly what it feels like, and f you for bringing it up. <laughs> All right, so, uh, wait, did you say it's called The Depression Game? Uh, it's just called Depression Quest.
0: Depression Quest. I feel like it could get a punchier title. McMaster, could you work on that and come back with some ideas for us? Yeah. No. yeah. So <laughs> let's, pu- let's punch up the title. Let's do some marketing. Uh, let's go ahead and spoil some of the plot points if we need to, uh, and we'll cut together a flashy trailer for it. Uh, uh, sounds good. I can do that. Old well, Nine no, Inch Nails soundtrack.
2: I, I should mention this. There is a terrific trailer for the game on the web
0: page. How do you do a trailer for a text-based edu- edutainment game?
2: <laughs> you, yeah, you, you have to see this YouTube trailer. It's, it's terrific.
0: McMaster, I like that Nick won't spoil the trailer for us. No, That's very cool. No, go watch <laughs> it. All right. All right. Who's next then, Nick? Uh
2: Let's go with McMaster.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, alright. Um, so, McMaster, tell us about your World of Warcraft character, because I'm sure uh, that's the game you've picked.
1: No, actually, the game this week is, uh, is Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon.
0: Oh yeah, it's like for kids, is it? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I guess I, uh... yeah, so it's a children's game. Alright, okay, so go ahead, tell yeah, us. Yeah.
1: That. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So. For, uh, people who did not play the, uh, original Luigi's Mansion, Luigi and his buddy, Professor E. Gadd, uh, use this, uh, vacuum cleaner to, uh, like capture ghosts, etc., and clean out this house. And it's really nice. And, uh, it's short, and, uh, it was a neat game, but, uh, there really wasn't a lot to it. Uh, however, the, the newer 3DS version is, uh, there's a lot more going on. It's pretty neat um it's got great uh great animation it's got really cool voice work oddly enough or like sound really it's not voice work uh per se but the things things that like it's just little touches like uh the uh professor gives you a ds so he can uh communicate with you uh that nintendo always tying it back in um
0: and so we won't would, see this ported to like the three sixty, for instance.
1: No, he would have to give him a three sixty. And see the thing is is like he calls it the dual scream. I get it. So,
0: uh. so, so what would you do
1: with a three sixty, the three s, s- screamy? I mean that just doesn't make as much sense. So yeah, we're probably not gonna see that happen. Um, but uh but I like the uh I, I like the voice work because when or the sound work because like Luigi Anson answers it and he's like, uh hello? And, uh, which really amused me.
0: But my favorite part is... that your impression of Luigi? Can we hear that <laughs> one more time? Oh, God. Hello? Uh,
1: <laughs> see? See? Uh, all right. Gee, damn you. Uh... <laughs> and, uh, when he hangs up, he says, Ciao, which I, I really like. I, I like the ciao. That's a nice do it, touch. The,
0: do it in the voice, McMaster. Let's hear it. Ciao. You happy? <laughs> oh, you happy? Yeah, that's son? it. <laughs> that's very nice. Um... The production values really are nice, aren't they, though? I mean, it's the sort of thing, like, even if you're not into the game, you know, it's just Nintendo for you, I guess. They just really put a lot of love into their production values, and it shows, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and it, it has that like the soundtrack is pretty cool too. I like the whole uh, playing on the uh, dun 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 you know kind of thing, uh, and he, he hums along
0: kind of. And, oh like, yeah, that is adorable, isn't it? When he's yeah. The music, yeah, 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 it's really
1: cool. I, I I thought that was a really nice touch, but uh, the game itself, uh, I like a good bit more than the original uh, as well because how it, it's split out into different missions over different areas. Um, and you uh unlock and collect and play through things, so I'm assuming you're not really a fan then me, yeah,
0: oh no, no, I love it, no, I think it's very oh. good i i yeah. hadn't played the first one, so I didn't have much of a frame of reference for it um but no i I like the progression, I like the production values, yeah. uh you know it's got experience points, I always like things with experience points um uh, you know there's collectibles in there, uh yeah. and i also i can't i can't stand Mario I it it's so annoying, so yeah. I don't feel that way about Luigi. Luigi does not annoy me yet. Uh, and I, th- I think he's funny. Like, Luigi's played as a comic character, uh, and it, it works for me.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he's more of the Don Knots, uh, kind of guy.
0: Oh, well, if you put it that no. way, he's just an <laughs> Italian Don Knot. Wow. The only, the only way you could have made it worse, McMaster, was oh. to say he's kind of like the Jerry Lewis.
1: Well, no, I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, uh.
0: God. Uh, I also really like McMaster. I say I really like, but I, it just feels unique to me, the ghost wrangling. The fact yeah. that when you, when you get like a ghost tail in the vacuum cleaner, you kind of have to wrestle with it and pull the stick different directions. Um, that has a unique feel. It's a little sloppy. It's a little uh, imprecise. But I, I imagine that's what it would actually be like to wrestle with a ghost. Um, yeah, so man. I enjoy that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, and that's uh that's kind of from the first game as well, which is I always thought was a really cool mechanic. Like I like um I guess also the variety of ghosts. Yes. Because uh, there is quite a bit of that and there's like quite a bit going on. But um one of the coolest features, uh something uh that I want to spend more time with I haven't played with it much, but Sarah and I tried earlier, is the, the, the download play. Um so if you have one copy of the game and you have friends with 3DSs. They can come over and they can download a copy.
0: Whoa, whoa, play. whoa! What, Master? master yeah, that's that, that's piracy. I do not approve.
1: No, that's Nintendo-approved piracy. <laughs> um, no, it's a uh, but you can. You only have to have one copy of the game to play the multiplayer version.
0: Yeah, piracy, piracy. You're a filthy pirate, McMaster. <laughs> it's called Scare Scraper. So it's like a skyscraper except. Cause it's like a, it's like a dungeon crawl kind of like you get a, you see how far yeah. you can get with your buddies yeah right yeah and uh, of course it's randomized ones, isn't it like randomized yeah. ghosts yep
1: yeah Sarah and I were playing it earlier it's actually pretty cool and like every five floors you get like a boss uh, and uh, yeah it's just kind of like a uh, co op yet uh, also you know. Uh, a little bit of a competition in there as well.
0: Yeah, cause you're scoring. Each person is getting Right. Yeah. Rest, I'm really jealous. I want to, can I come over and live with you guys? Cause I, uh, I tried playing it solo. I don't, I don't, none of my friends, my friends are way too cool to, to admit that they want a Nintendo 3DS. Uh, but, uh, I tried playing a little scarescraper thing solo and it's just way too difficult single player. Um, so play I'm going to come fine. live with you guys. Okay.
1: Oh, that'd be fine too. Uh, but no, we can also play, I think, on the internet. Uh, what? Yeah, that's uh, a... yeah. Yeah. That's... This is.
0: A... Yeah. Can you believe that, Nick? He's talking about a Nintendo game, and he thinks he can play it on the internet.
1: <laughs> I know it's pretty bizarre, but uh, yeah, there's an online option. Um...
0: I guess what it is, Master, is I I looked at it. Nintendo's really good about providing codes in advance of the release date. I was playing it before it was actually out, so yeah. I, there was no one online. So uh, it's good to know that I could now go online and enjoy some Scarescraper. Yeah. Here's um... something that I think I, I forget. Does any of your progress, like, do you earn anything in ScareScraper that applies to the single player, or is there a strict division between Advancement in the two? I
1: don't think it applies to single player. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think so, because I think it just makes you, or maybe you get some coins or something, but I don't think it applies to everybody's if you're playing, like, download play and stuff like that, so I really didn't get to...
0: That makes sense, actually, because it seems like the progression in the single player would, would break if you could just go do the multiplayer right. stuff to level up. Okay, so fair enough.
1: In fact, uh, ScareScraper doesn't even open up until you've played through several levels of single player. So it probably has to do with that. Like, right. they wanted you to get to a certain point before you can use all the tools.
0: So that you um, know what you're doing, and it's not like typically when you jump into multiplayer and nobody knows what's going on, and there's someone on chat saying, "How do how do I play this?" Right? They've the right? time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got a good story for you about uh, Luigi's Mansion, though. You'll appreciate this from Tom. Uh, yeah. So uh, I bought Sarah a 3ds XL for her birthday.
0: Uh, here's where Nick. Here's where McMaster's going to gloat about how awesome his giant 3ds is. Yeah, it, it is yeah. pretty awesome.
1: And since I'm a giant, giant baby, uh, I got really jealous of Sarah's 3DS XL. So I went to purchase myself one since she was out of town, and I couldn't live without it for another The second.
0: only way, McMaster, to not give in to that kind of, like, seeing how awesome it is, is never see it. Don't look at somebody's 3DS XL. Like, don't not look at it, and you'll be fine. And that's not where fixed. I currently am. On the face, you, you tried to sway me, you sent me a <laughs> photograph, and I, I briefly looked at it. It's like opening a picture and seeing goat see and you just close it real quick. I briefly looked at it, I was like, nope, I'm not gonna fall for this. And I closed <laughs> the picture.
1: It was the greatest picture, too, because it was my old 3DS next to the 3DS XL. And it was uh, like, oh my goodness. Uh, anyway.
0: Pastor, uh, real quick, what it made me think of is I used to be really happy with my iPhone for playing iPhone games until I started seeing iPads. And then I loathed yeah. my stupid little iPhone for so long. So it's it's Yeah,
1: so... I kinda I broke Tom with that iPad. Oh um, god, you did. You should <laughs> I brought it to his house last year and we were we were sitting there and uh oh god, what was it was like a strategy game. Uh or that I little
0: that. uh Tower Power defender, yeah, that,
1: yeah. Yeah. Defender Chronicles too.
0: Yes. And
1: I was like, Yeah, I'll get it on here and I and I brought it up. and He's like, Oh my god, you can see the animation. Like all the stuff is like <laughs> I was just laughing and laughing, Uh but anyway, Uh so I go to purchase my 3ds XL, and there's a Nintendo rep at the Best Buy, and they have only got two copies of Luigi's Dark Moon left. So I said, sure. "Wait, a
0: Nintendo rep, like a guy representing Nintendo, just like yes. hanging out? Is he like at a kiosk uh, or something?"
1: He's standing in the middle of an aisle between the movies and the game section. I don't understand what was going on, but they had a whole table thing. The guy had an NOA tag on. I mean, unless he was, like, bullshitting, just trying to, like, you know, <laughs> pull something. Though I don't know what exactly he would be pulling over selling Nintendo products in Best Buy. But um, they had two copies of the game left, so I was like, yeah, I'll take one. And uh, I get the 3DS XL, and he goes, uh he goes, hey, man, uh can I take a picture with you? Uh For Nintendo, they love this stuff. And I'm like... Uh, all right, sure. And he's like, will you wear the Luigi hat? And he pulls out this big green <laughs> Luigi hat. And I'm like, hell yes, I will wear the Luigi hat. And uh, so I put on the Luigi hat. And uh, the mustache he had already affixed to a balloon, uh, so he couldn't get it off there. and uh, So I just had the hat on. And he had me hold up my 3ds XL and Luigi's uh, mansion, and he took a picture. And I, it might be on Nintendo's site or something. I have no earthly idea. But
0: and, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how McMaster's long career in cosplay <laughs> began. <Yes. laughs> God. It's me. No, don't you, Mary? Do your Luigi now. Do say pretend. Okay, okay McMaster, you're Luigi. Here, here's an incoming call. Ring, ring. Hello. <laughs> Good. Could use a little more energy, but I like where you're going.
1: Good Hello. Work. Yeah, now I'd have to work on it. Man.
0: All right, so your game of the week is uh, Luigi's Mansion, which, yeah, I, I quite like. Nick, are you a 3DS man?
2: Uh, I am not, unfortunately. Uh, uh, my son has one, and yes, I do steal it from time to time.
0: What's the last thing that you that you stole to that you played on a stolen 3DS from your son?
2: Uh, I don't know which one it was, but it was one of the Pokemon.
0: Ah, Nick plays Pokemon.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's my secret shame. <laughs> uh,
0: there was a, uh, there's a series called Mystery Dungeons that, uh, uh, I think it's Mystery Dungeon and it, it, it became a Pokemon branded thing and the most recent yeah. one came out and yeah. oh, it is such a slog to get through all the talking Pokemons. Like I, it's, there's a full cool dungeon crawler in there, but I just can only put up with so many talking Pokemons before I just have to punch out. Um, so Aww. I know. Uh, so uh, on the 3DS front, I was at, um, at GDC recently. Uh, one of the cool things that you can do with a lot of Nintendo 3DS games, actually I think you can probably do this with a lot of PS3 games, or PSP games, uh, is if you keep the game on a search Sort of mode, like you just keep it You keep it powered on, but you close it And then you walk around with it It can yeah. connect to other people's 3DSs And I thought that GDC would be a great opportunity To exchange what are called Guild cards In a game called Etrian Odyssey 4 which I'm playing on my 3DS. Now, Etrian Odyssey 4, to me, I really like how it harkens back to those old SSI gold box D&D games. Uh, it's very stat-driven. You're just sort of moving around on a grid map. You're leveling up your party. It's not fussing with much storytelling or stuff like that. It's just very mechanical. Uh, so your guild card is basically your party and the location of hidden treasures, On the map that only your party knows about. So when you go out in public and you exchange guild cards with another power, with another closed-up 3DS that has Etrian Odyssey 4 running, you get the location of their secret treasures. They get the location of your secret treasures. Furthermore, you can you can exchange characters. Um, Like you can use one of their characters and they can use my character. So I go to GDC. After a certain number of days, I only get, and I'm very disappointed at everyone at GDC, by the way. If you're listening, you went to GDC, I'm very disappointed in all of you, because after the entirety of GDC, I only got like four freaking guild cards. Why aren't more people at GDC playing e and Odyssey 4? carrying Is that good? Their- well, it's, it's like a hardcore nerd RPG kind of thing. I, I would expect at GDC, that's where people will be playing that. Um, But I only got four freaking hits. I don't know what that's (laughs) about. And furthermore, the people who are playing it, I guess to their credit, way too high level for me. They're giving me the location of treasures of places I haven't even been and have no hopes of being anytime soon. (laughs) They're they're dropping these awesome 30-level characters. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want that guy in my party. And the game's like, nope, your party isn't high enough level. Um, So I go to GDC with Etreon Odyssey 4, and I get back basically bupkis. Yeah. Uh, and there's people out there who have my, like, level 14 wizard, and they're like, Pfft, small potatoes. They probably want nothing to do with it. They probably found all the treasures that I told them about. So, uh, so that yeah, that, that was my GDC thing. <laughs> all right, so, Nick, who is left now for a game of the week?
2: Well, actually, that would be you, Tom.
0: So, McMaster, you did a little impression of an Italian man. Mm-hmm. I'm about to do an impression of a French... I guess it's more of a Quebecois thing I'm about to try to speak French my, my game of the week Is called Sang Freud Tales of Werewolves
1: I'm really curious to hear about this Because I was looking <laughs> at that picture dude, And uh, I'm really confused About what's going on in that screenshot
0: Are you talking about the one of the guys
1: That uh, yeah, you put on the front page No, no the second one
0: Oh, the he? healthcare one. Yeah. yeah. So uh so it's called Sang foi I think that's how you're supposed to say it. Uh and it I think that means cold blooded. Um, but it's called Sang foi Colon, Tales of Werewolves. And if you want to get technical, they also call it Volume One. So I love the idea that they're they're leaving it open. There might be more. Um, and uh what's going on in that picture, they have little cut scenes. Um, and the cut scenes tell the story of two brothers and a sister who are kind of trapped in a cabin, dealing with uh, these fiendish, devilish werewolves who who lay siege to them every night. Uh, and it's a very story-driven game, uh, and not in the sense that there's a bunch of narrative you have to sit through, but in the sense that each time you play, it's a day, and then there's a little cutscene between the days that advances the story and unfolds the gameplay mechanics. Um, so one of the gameplay mechanics is that, the two brothers, you pick which one of them you want to be a playable character. One of them is the tougher guy with more hit points. The other is the faster guy who's more frail. Uh, and you pick which one you're going to play as. But then the sister who is ill and she's sick in bed and it seems like there's some kind of possession thing going on there and the devil wants to get to her. Uh, you have to defend the cabin where she is every night. Because every night werewolves are going to try to attack your cabin to get to her. Um, so it's kind of a tower defense game. But that's not nearly... I mean, it's so much more than that. That's just the basic framework. Uh, you play it not from a top-down view. You're controlling the little dude. Uh, and mechanically, just as far as the perspective, it's very similar to Orcs Must Die. Um, but McMaster, you and I played a fair amount of Orcs Must Die, too, because that had some great co-op, and we just giggled like little girls. That game was just so over-the-top fun and just crazy and goofy and 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 frantic. Um Sang-Foi is nothing like that. No. Saint foi is much more tactical. Uh, it's it's definitely a strategy game. Uh, a lot of what you do is laying traps, is looking at where the werewolves are going to come, is defending different areas, uh, deciding how to use your action points and your money, uh, equipping yourself with inventory. There's even a skill tree. Uh, and the beauty of Sang-Foi, to me, is how it uses this werewolf mythology uh, to unfold gameplay mechanics as you progress. Um, now, I don't want to tell you what these gameplay mechanics are, because it is such a delight to discover uh, as the game goes on. And it seems cool enough. Each, each time you play, it's one day. And you play that day, and then you have the standoff at night, and then you have the next day to get ready and the standoff at night. Uh, and I think it takes place over about 20 days leading up to, up to Christmas, uh, and I'm about eight days into it, and I'm still revealing really cool stuff. I kind of feel like at each time it's like, okay, you've given me all these cool toys, let's go, and then the next day there's a really cool new toy. Uh, so I kind of don't want to tell you the specifics of, of what's in there. Um, but suffice to say, it's a tower defense game. It's got some action, but it's mainly strategy. They do some really cool things with, like, stealth and detection. Um, and I guess the one thing that I will kind of spoil is that one of the issues in a tower defense game like Orcs Must Die is that for the most part, everything's just running at you. And it's a great giddy delight to just hack things up and shoot them and watch them get cut up in traps. One of the cool things that Sang does is it doesn't just rush things at you. There's really cool mechanics for how wolves behave, and, and this kind of pack mentality that they have, and how they'll circle you and they'll wait for an opening, and you have to decide, am I going to load my musket? Am I going to kind of retreat to safety? Am I going to yell and try to scare them off? There's a really cool inventive interplay between your character and wolf psychology or behavior, I, I guess. Uh, and that's one of the first things that it unlocks in terms of the mechanics, and then it just keeps folding more and more cool, neat stuff onto it. And as it gets more supernatural, it gets a little crazier. Um, so that's my game of the week. I'm still fairly early into it, but I'm just delighted with uh the way that they've expressed wolf mythology uh with their gameplay. So there hmm. you
1: go. Also, certainly check it out. I wish it was uh, Mac as well, but uh, I got a PC still, so okay, why not?
0: Yeah, it's a. I think uh, it's just a PC game. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a little tiny studio in Canada that, that made it. Um, and it comes out on Steam on Friday. You know, we're recording this on a Wednesday. On Friday, April fifth, it'll, it'll be available on Steam. Uh, did you see yeah. uh, the gray McMaster? I did not. Nick, did you see the gray? I did. Uh, it it's, it's the closest, like, like the gray was, uh, this kind of cool existential meditation on, uh, life and death and fate and God. And it had wolves, <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> like the wolves were just kind of like one little piece in this. Uh, I I love how some of the moments in Sang froid remind me of the gray. Uh, oh, and one warning. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was hoping for more of a ravenous, but I guess.
0: Right. Ah, very good McMaster yeah uh, no, no cannibalism so far, maybe that's a mechanic they unlock later
1: in what an awesome movie, movie.
0: <laughs> uh uh I forgot who this... yeah, so anyway, uh sang Fo comes out friday it's it's my game of the week uh and i'm I'm just delighted with it so far uh oh yeah, oh yeah, I was gonna say, uh I should warn you, and it's an indie game i, I would never ding them for this, but I, I just want to prepare you for the fact that it's got some cool writing. But oh, I, I feel so bad for the, vo- the voice acting. It's one of those oh, honey, no <laughs> <like> <laughs> kind of things where <laughs> oh, I just feel so bad for for what they're trying to do and and how they do have these cool narrative beats. But uh, their voice actors are I don't know if they're their friends, and I appreciate what they're trying. But I kind of wish I could turn the voices off, uh, or maybe have them. In an, maybe if there was a, an option to have them in French, it, it might sound better. Ooh. Um, all right, so uh there we go uh games of the week what what are you guys looking forward to playing in the near future? I made the observation in a in a conversation that it was a slow time of year. Does that just seem crazy to you guys
1: uh
2: yeah there's a lot of releases yeah i'm I'm swamped
0: uh Nick, what do you got coming up what are you gonna be banging on this next week
2: uh well now that i uh now that I'm pretty much done with uh, Infinite, I'm going to have to go back to Assassin's Creed 3 and finish that.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of George Washington, Tyranny, Downloadable. I think there might even be like Wolf Powers you can get. There's a bunch of that stuff. Oh, geez. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. Like, oh, God, there's so much more. I mean, And, and I will say, by the way, uh, the, my, my dream one day is something like Sang-Foi with the production value of Assassin's Creed 3. Good lord, would that be awesome, uh, <laughs> uh, McMaster? What are you going to be banging on in the coming week?
1: Um, Luigi's uh, Mansion, Tomb Raider, and Bioshock Infinite. I want to get that. There. And
0: of course, World of Warcraft.
1: Maybe some Starcraft too, as well. Oh,
0: uh, McMaster! I'm gonna. Can I email Blizzard and say please shut down McMaster's World of Warcraft account? <laughs> you think they're going to listen to you? Yeah, not after that heart of the swarm review. You're right. Yeah, I know. No.
1: no, nah. <laughs> Blizzard's not very fond of you right now, and I'm actually paying them, so I mean they're like, yeah, you know what, you know what, go to hell. That's
0: Fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, uh, next week we will actually be having uh, a developer come talk to us. Uh, I, I kind of want to tease this without giving it away. Uh, McMaster, what do you what do you think of uh, Second Life? Uh,
1: I think of. Well, I think of a few things. I think of Wagner James Awe, to be honest with you.
0: All right. The former embedded reporter for for Second Life. My former boss. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Nick, what level are you in Second Life, by the way? Uh,
2: I I think uh, I'm at porn level.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That that early. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it opens up really quickly. It's good. I, I can't wait to fill out the talent tree on that one.
0: <laughs> Whoa! hey bet. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll have someone talking to us about what's going on over at Linden Labs these days. Uh, is Second Life, I, I'm not even sure I know this, it's still around, isn't it? Is it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is still around. Uh, yeah.
0: But that's not all that's going on at Linden Labs, so uh, join us next week. We'll have someone in the know uh, sharing some of that with us. And, of course, we'll be doing uh, news of the week. In games of the week. So I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Nick Diamond and Jason McMaster. And we will see everyone here next week. (laughs) By the way, this is music from Saint Froid. I call it the D Dub Dum song. Um, Uh, Which I think is French Wolves Are
1: Coming. I heard this is what made me think of Michael Flat. I just I felt like this is a very Lord of the Dancey kind of thing going on. Oh no, I I got the joke pastor. You. you don't need to oh. explain it. Okay. But God, me to t- take t- sure. <laughs> well, I mean how many are there? Don't
0: don't answer that. Rhetorical <laughs> question. Rhetorical question. <laughs>
1: Da long da di 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 da
0: di da 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 di da
1: di da di da di da di da di da di da di You don't want